Welcome to the latest episode of British History, Royals, Rebels, and Romantics, the podcast for people who understand that history shows us what's possible for us in our lives today. I'm Carol Ann Lloyd, your host and tour guide as we travel back in time. We're shaking up history to look at the stories that don't always make the history books, to consider famous and infamous characters in new and interesting ways, and to look for all the things that we share even when we're living in different times and places. I hope you enjoy this journey through the royals, rebels, and romantics of Britain. Now, let's explore history together. Hello, I'm glad you've joined us. Today, we'll be experiencing some Shakespeare shenanigans as we look at the history impact, and fascinating facts about the famous First Folio. Shakespeare has had a few important anniversaries lately. In 2014, we celebrated his 450th birthday. In 2016, we marked the 400th anniversary of his death. And another important year is just around the corner, the initial publication of his collected works. Fact one, the First Folio was published in 1623, nearly 400 years ago. That's right, for 400 years, four centuries, Shakespeare's plays have been making the rounds in our world, and they are still filmed and performed and read and loved and hated and discussed and absolutely present in our lives today. Fact two, the real title is Mr. William Shakespeare's Comedies, Histories, and Tragedies, published according to the true original copies. Even though Shakespeare fans and professors and most libraries and bookstores call this the first folio, that's not really its title. In the 16th century, a folio was a large book made by folding printed sheets of paper in half, with each sheet forming four pages. This format was usually reserved for religious, political, or other important subjects. Shakespeare's first folio was the first folio ever published in England devoted exclusively to plays. Fact three, the first folio has interesting measurements. A typical first folio weighs nearly five pounds. There are more than 500 pages in the first folio, so it's about two inches thick. Although we don't know for sure, scholars estimate that about 750 copies of the first folio were printed in 1623. Fact four, one of the reasons the first folio stands out is that most plays written at the same time were not published. It's not really surprising that half of Shakespeare's plays hadn't been published seven years after his death. It's more surprising that his two friends and fellow partners in the Kingsmen took on the extraordinary task of collecting up all the old plays that hadn't been seen in years, gathering them together, and submitting them for publication. Fact five, you've probably never heard of the people responsible for the first folio, other than Shakespeare, of course. The two members of Shakespeare's company who spearheaded the whole production are John Hemming and Henry Condell. They were actors and had known and worked with Shakespeare. In fact, Shakespeare left them, along with Richard Burbage, money to buy rings for his funeral. When Shakespeare died, Burbage, Hemming, and Condell were the three remaining original partners in the Globe and King's Men. Burbage died shortly after Shakespeare, leaving only Hemming and Condell. These men had access to what was left from Shakespeare's original work. There might have been handwritten copies. There were probably prompt books from productions they had all been in. There were printed 
quarto copies, which were cheap, small, unbound works that may or may not have been accurate. Finally, Heming and Condell had their memories as the men who had actually worked alongside Shakespeare. They were the last ones who could gather the plays. They got to work. Fact six, we would be missing about half Shakespeare's plays without the first folio. One of the reasons the first folio was so important is that only half of Shakespeare's plays had been printed before its publication. That means that without the first folio, we might have lost some of Shakespeare's most famous work. Here are the plays that appear in the first folio for the first time. All's Well That Ends Well, Antony and Cleopatra, As You Like It, The Comedy of Errors, Coriolanus, Cymbeline, Henry VI, Part One, Henry VIII, Julius Caesar, King John, Macbeth, Measure for Measure, The Taming of the Shrew, The Tempest, Timon of Athens, Twelfth Night, The Two Gentlemen of Verona, and The Winter's Tale. Did you hear any of your favorites? And here are some of the lines we would have lost without the first folio. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Is this a dagger I see before me? Our revels now are ended. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Fact 7. The printing process was complicated, confused, and chaotic. Printing a book was very different in the 16th and early 17th century than it is today. William Jaggard and his son Isaac had a successful establishment that boasted two printing presses and up to nine journeymen and apprentices. William Jagger had gone blind by 1612, so Isaac played a prominent role. While Heming and Condell rounded up all the copies of Shakespeare's plays, the Jaggard father and son gathered folio paper and made preparations. Type was set one letter at a time, backwards. Compositors, the men who were involved in placing the type, had to estimate how much written text would correspond to the letters on the page as the book was printed six sheets at a time. Scholars have identified five different compositors by their different ways of spelling, their different punctuation, and other printing conventions. For example, one compositor spelled go as G-O, while another spelled it as G-O-E. Neither was deemed correct or incorrect at the time. Spelling was, shall we say, changeable. But even making accommodation for the differences in style, one of the compositors has been described as miserable at it. Sometimes the compositors would leave too little space for the words they had to print. When that happened, they just left out lines from the play. Since they were only working on a small part, they didn't know which lines were important. Who knows what might have been lost simply because there wasn't enough room for a line. Once a page was set, the printing began. There was some effort to check for errors, but even when errors were found, pages that had already been printed with those mistakes were not thrown out. So with different compositors, different spelling, different punctuation, different errors on pages, there was no uniform way of printing books at this time. Scholars who have reviewed the 200-plus existing copies of the first folio say that no two are exactly alike. Fact 8. The first folio contains things other than Shakespeare's plays. In addition to Shakespeare's plays, the first folio includes prefatory material by Heming and Condell. 
They address their readers specifically, writing to the great variety of readers, from the most able to him that can but spell. In other words, they are reinforcing the notion that Shakespeare was, is, and will continue to be for everyone. His plays drew all levels of society in his time, and they still do today. In a timeless plea, they acknowledge that readers are likely to read and possibly object to some of what's printed, but they insist, do so, but buy it first. They needed to sell books. Ben Johnson's eulogy of Shakespeare is also included, where Johnson calls Shakespeare soul of an age and the wonder of our stage. He goes on to state prophetically that Shakespeare is not of an age, but for all time. Also included is a catalog, or what we might call a table of contents. For the first time, the plays are arranged by comedies, histories, and tragedies. Here's a bit of trivia. The table of contents does not include the title, Troilus and Cressida, but the play itself is included in the text. That's because Jagger didn't have permission from a previous publisher to print Troilus and Cressida when the catalog was printed. They kept negotiating, and Jaggard was able to include the play itself. So if you're going by the table of contents, you'll be surprised when you get to Troilus and Cressida. Fact 9. The first folio includes one of the most famous images of Shakespeare, although not the most flattering. The first folio also includes one of the two likenesses of Shakespeare that was approved by people who actually knew him. The other is the bust at his grave in the Holy Trinity Church in Stratford-upon-Avon. The image in the first folio is an engraving by Martin Drewshout. The engraving was not printed on the same press that printed the text. It might even have been printed by Drewshout himself. This image includes that dramatically receding hairline and hair that comes just over the ear, classic in representations of Shakespeare. Fact 10. The number of known copies of the first folio keeps growing. Back in 1902, an English writer named Sir Sidney Lee completed a census of all the known copies of the first folio in the world. He found 158 copies. Since then, more copies have been discovered. Some were in private collections. Others had been lost or forgotten about. In 2003, almost exactly 100 years later, Antony James West conducted another census. West, a senior fellow at the University of London, was a successful businessman when he decided that someone needed an updated record of Shakespeare's first folio. At age 58, he went to graduate school to become that someone. West found 230 copies of the first folio. Some had fun stories. One woman was named as the only surviving heir of a relative she'd never even heard of. Among that guy's estate, a first folio of Shakespeare. West discovered another previously unknown copy at the library in Skipton, a mining town in England. It had been mislabeled, shelved in the wrong place, and just forgotten about. With stories like this, it's no wonder that when West finished his census, he was certain more discoveries were coming. Fact 11. The first folio was once part of a live detective story involving the FBI and Scotland Yard. One copy of the first folio has an especially exciting story. It was purchased in the 17th century by John Cozen, who probably bought it new. It's the only copy to have remained in the same personal library since its original purchase. 
Cozen became Bishop of Durham in 1660. His library was opened in 1669, and it included the first folio. It stayed there for years. In 1998, the library had an exhibition about the progress of English literature. The Durham first folio and other rare and valuable books were stolen. Ten years later, a well-dressed man strolled into the Folger Shakespeare Library holding a book that looked very much like a first folio. He said he wanted to have it appraised and was possibly interested in selling it. Richard Kuta and Georgiana Ziegler at the Folger were suspicious. They were certain the book was an original first folio, but they needed more information to know exactly which copy. The Durham folio had several distinguishing marks, and the mystery book might be a match. Famous rare book appraiser Stephen C. Massey was able to confirm the book definitely matched the markers of the Durham First Folio. The FBI, Scotland Yard, and Durham Constabulary all got involved. The Durham Library staff were extremely grateful when their volume was returned. Sadly, it had been damaged, probably intentionally, in an attempt to disguise its origin. But even so, the book is back where it belongs. Fact 12, there have been recent discoveries of the first folio. Previously, unknown copies of the first folio continue to pop up from time to time. In 2014, Remy Cordonnier was searching for books to include in an upcoming exhibition in France. At the St. Omer Library, he came across an old volume that he described as well-used and damaged. It was some kind of Shakespeare collection. He contacted Professor Eric Rasmussen, who examined the the book. He quickly identified it as a first folio. The exact path the book took from London to a small library in a provincial French town is unknown. Scholars think the book might have traveled with a Catholic priest fleeing England for religious persecution. Then it joined the collection at the public library and was tucked away and forgotten for hundreds of years. Now it joins the Gutenberg Bible as the most famous book in that small town library. During the 2016 celebrations marking the 400th anniversary of Shakespeare's death, another first folio was found and authenticated. This time, it was on an island off the Scottish coast near Glasgow. The first folio was discovered at the library at Mount Stewart, a manor house on the Isle of Bute. Alice Martin, the head of collections for the Mount Stewart Trust, discovered the book while cataloging. She thinks the volume may have belonged to 18th century editor Isaac Reed. The Folger Shakespeare Library puts the number of known copies of the first folio at 235. The largest collection is at the Folger, which holds 82 copies. Fact 13. The copies of the first folio traveled around the United States in 2016. In 2016, the Folger Shakespeare Library, in partnership with the Cincinnati Museum Center and the American Library Association, sent a copy of the first folio to all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. The folio exhibition was hosted by 23 museums, 20 universities, five public libraries, three historical sites, and a theater. Many of the cities that hosted a first folio had never had one in their city before. Fact 14. Although it is very important, the first folio is not considered a rare book. With 235 known copies, the first folio is not a rare book. However, it is a very important book. Many things make the first folio important, but one of the most fun is to imagine what phrases we might not have without Shakespeare's plays. Although he might not have invented as many words as we once thought, 
the lasting popularity of his plays brought these phrases into our language. Neither rhyme nor reason. Break the ice. It's high time. And eyesore. I have not slept one wink. What's done is done. For goodness sake. Puking. Yeah, what will we do without that word? Elbow room. Too much of a good thing. And hoping we're not making too much of a good thing. There's another thing we get from Shakespeare and specifically from the first folio. Knock-knock jokes. That's right. The first knock-knock jokes are found in Macbeth. Fact 15. The first folio contains characters and stories and language that continue to shape our lives today. During the late 16th and early 17th century, while Shakespeare was writing his plays, the English language was undergoing many changes. Words were coming in from Greek and Roman texts, as well as words from other languages. Exploration of the new world and new discoveries in science and astrology led to new ideas and new objects. All of these needed to be put into words. Shakespeare and other writers were adopting new words and creating new words to describe the changing world. These words were written into the plays, performed over the years, and coming into our language. In fact, they have shaped the language we speak today. Thank you for joining me to watch the first folio capture and preserve the words with which Shakespeare recreated the world. Join us next time when we meet one of the most controversial and experienced royal consorts, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share with a friend. Do send any questions or comments. I'd love to hear from you where we should explore next. And please subscribe and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. I'm so glad we could explore history together. Till next time. (music) 